Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. Our Vice President Kamala Harris said, There will be people who say to you, you are out of your lane. They are burdened by only having the capacity to see what has always been instead of what can be. Don't you let that burden you. This episode, you're going to hear the end of Wynn's story. Remember, the company was closing their Bay Area campus and Wynn was going to be scattered. So you'll find out if it survived the relocation, and 2020 for that matter. You'll hear what these women now think of their experience, because hindsight is 2020, and where they all are now. The corporate players wanted to keep our wind changemakers in a narrow lane. But as they made steady progress on their mission to, quote, promote the leadership and empowerment of women in our community, they were dreaming big and dreaming different. So that meant they were swerving. What kept them going was that they knew they were doing the right thing. And that feeling wasn't just when they made big plays like salary negotiation training. They saw it in everyday win meetings, a safe and equal space. Here's Donnie. But it really made it hit home that we were actually doing what we were supposed to be doing, even though maybe managers and leadership didn't really see it. But behind the scenes and our meetings of 20 women around the table, they got to do all they ever wanted to do. They got to have that empowerment. Donnie's not alone in this assessment. Linda agrees that the win planning meetings themselves were a time for empowerment. It wasn't until when, when we had our committee meetings that I saw the difference between like, you know, just like your day-to-day meetings that you have. You notice it when it's like all males from different levels. Like you have your manager, your coworker, or your like directors in these meetings. Versus like even in when, when we had our committee meetings, you had, you know, people who were vice presidents, you know, you had people who were directors and you had women from entry level jobs all on this committee, but it never felt like, it never felt like you couldn't speak. Right. And that's when I kind of noticed the difference. I was like, oh, okay. Like you didn't feel like you had to watch yourself. It was a lot more open and comfortable in that sense that you were willing to speak up. Even if it was people you didn't know and when you still felt more comfortable. Totally. Yeah. Because I feel like so much of that filtering we do is unconscious, actually. You know, those things where you're like, you let your manager speak first before you speak or, you know, someone at a higher level than you let them speak, or you don't want to say anything that might be stupid or ask a question that might look stupid, like kind of all of those things happen. And then I agree with you, like in when meetings, it's kind of like all those filters fall away because you're in mm-hmm. a, I mean, safe space, like feels so generic, but that's what it is. You know yeah. that you're not going to be like judged for whatever your ideas are, like everything is valid. So it was like such a freeing feeling. Yeah, it was It was nice to have that where you, you felt the difference. And I think part of it is because it was all towards a common goal and a cause that everybody's perspectives really did weigh the same. I got to tell you about their final epic blowout for Women's History Month. Here's Donnie. 
for 2019's Women's Month, History Month, we sat in a room with 20 of us or so and decided who was going to do what through the whole month so that we had something going and we were being recognized and really put, put in the forefront. I remember just being in one of those meetings, one of the meetings towards the end where we had already kind of come in and we're like, okay, we did this, Eric's doing this, you know, and I think it was Ariel. She was in and she's like, so I made this presentation and she showed it all to us. And it was just like, that's beautiful. It was nobody in a room saying, oh, that needs to, no, you need to go back and change that. We were like, go do you and then come back. And they all knew they did a fantastic job because they were given complete freedom to do it. Right. And they came back 200%. If somebody is fully empowered to pursue yeah. the thing that they're passionate about and they think is going to make an impact, they bring it. Like they bring it so hard and they bring people along with them. And I think you're yeah. so right. You could just raise your hand and be like, here's the thing I want to do you didn't even need permission. It was just like, great. Yeah. Awesome. We're here to support you on that. Or, or like, hey, you need somebody to do that. I'll do it. Cool. We're right. not going to ask you for your career. If you think you can do it, do it. Everyone's ideas yeah. are valid. That also spurs collaboration. And that helps the people that are maybe shy, but want to be in the group shine a little bit. So for the month of March, it was all hands on deck. Everybody was pursuing their passion with events happening and volunteering in the community, opportunities to see and hear the stories of women and sporting and the outdoors, plus some fun creativity. Donnie mentioned the presentation that Ariel made. Here's what she proposed and obviously made happen. <laughs> I was so excited for it. It was like my time to shine. So I was able to grab, I think a couple short films and what we did was we featured it to be like during lunchtime and offered popcorn and and so during this time people could come watch the film and actually mo beck who is i think the movie was called stumped she was actually last march our panelist uh athlete and i got to meet so her fun. in person because she's from so cool. 15 minutes away from here so it was really cool it's, it was cool to see that come in like a year later show her film and then a year later ask her to come talk as a panelist totally. so it was dope she's a badass chick yeah what else did we do that day Lindsay? did you do anything we did um, oh, that week we, it might have even been more than a day it was all week. i know we had the spray painting of the t-shirts we had the clothes um drive and then didn't we was it that week that we volunteered at the elizabeth house right in yeah. oakland yep uh, where we cleaned up their rec room and right. organized it and stuff like that linda's contribution to the event was a station where you could spray paint a t-shirt with your own design she used her ability to ask for forgiveness not permission to create a bunch of cool stencils including her personal favorite the middle finger. Oh, like, and then we were spray painting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I yeah, loved that, was really fun. that you guys had that like t-shirt set up. And then I think it was Ariel that was like running the video series. Like we had so many things happening and it, I just was totally blown away. We, we really had a lot of momentum before we left, I think towards the end. And I think a lot of it was just like, people were like, we're going to leave. We might as well give it all. <laughs> That's right. I got. Did um, you create those stencils or was that Diana? Yeah, I did. 
Yeah, those were yeah. awesome. How did you do that? We used the laser cutter. It was in the proto lab. And I was like, who knows how to work this machine? Well, they're like, well, there was this one guy that I had already left and then Blair knew how to use it. So I had to like go beg Blair to like show me how to use the like three laser cutting machine, program all the art files, and then just use this like $30,000 machine <laughs> to cut all these stencils. But it was just sitting there and I was like, well, no one's using this. Um, we had to do it. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. That was really fun. I think yeah. I still have, I think mine was like that feminist one. Yes. Mine was the middle finger. <laughs> I had a bunch of the middle finger ones. Those were like the fun parts. Just everybody coming together. I think that's like the biggest win and the biggest like motivator for me is just like when you see all these different groups from different walks of life, from different departments who never knew each other, all coming together. That was my favorite. I mean, that was the whole point, right? Was networking yeah. and right. building these relationships and feeling like it was something of your own. Wen wanted to send the team off on a high note, with support, guidance, and some structural leadership to maintain through the move. Long-term member Eric agreed to fill a role. Here's his take. Women's Empowerment Network yes. group together. Wen. Lots of fun. I love Wen. Uh, what do you like best about Wen? Like, what do you want to accomplish from your participation in it? This is I, I, it's interesting that you bring this up. I had a moment where someone asked me, a man asked me why I was in, why I was in when, like, because I'm on the when board now, which is weird to me, but they're like, why are you a dude in when? I'm like, why are you not? Yes. Parody, like supporting women in the workplace because they haven't been forever is just what you do. It's the right thing to do. And so I would show up at the events and I would help where I could always feeling like always afraid to feel like I was imposing mm -hmm. because this is not my, it's not my space and it shouldn't be my space. But my work in when is to hold that container is to help support that safe, empowering space. That's literally like, like the, that is all my engagement is how can I be a platform mm -hmm. for someone? Cause yeah, I could talk about, you know, why women's rights matter, why all of that stuff matters. We all know this. Yes. And my voice as a guy isn't the one that matters. It's the voice of the women who are speaking. My job as a man is to take that megaphone that I have as a man, because men are automatically privileged over women, especially as a white male. I have, in theory, all the power. So my job is to take that megaphone, that, that voice that gets heard, and hand it to someone else mm -hmm. and let them speak their truth and support them through that process. Like, that is what, I, that is, what is my work is when. What can I do to support every woman's hearers process? Mm -hmm. You know, there is kind of a tension in, in lots of spaces like this, I think, of when are you there and quiet and allyhood and when do you speak up? Like, you know, how much do you get involved? So I really appreciate that for a minute you were backseat and just mm -hmm. kind of being supportive. And now what when needs of you is a little bit more of a leadership role and yeah. you're willing to do that. Yeah. So I think that that's because it's, it's simply because it's the right thing to do. Lindsay, you've met her and Molly worked together to fill the empty president role. And thus, the new board of directors was ready to go. 
But even before they set foot in their new city, the corporate team was chomping at the bit to make changes. Starting with the name, Wen. Here's Amy with what happened right before the move. And then you had an interaction right before you left about the name Wen and whether that was <laughs> you. Can you tell me about that? Uh, yes. Just that as all the brands were coming together, they wanted to change the name to include the parent company. And we pushed back saying that that didn't feel, that made it feel like something that was not owned by employees. And that I had a, had had a number of people come to me saying, I was interested in becoming a part of this, but now I'm less interested because now it feels like a company owned thing and not an employee resource group. And I communicated that and was basically told, thanks for your input, but this is the way we're moving forward. This is, this is the strategy because the employee resource group was becoming company owned and not employee owned that it was very clear that the company wanted to have control over some of this i asked karen is it still called when it is not so the idea was mashing it with other employee resource groups that had a similar focus and making it like a united group we're going back to amy for a sec because i want you to understand why this matters and why the new WIN leadership team approach things the way they do when they relocate. Do you think that we, the universal we, took it too far? No, I don't think we took it far enough. In part, I had people tell me that we become too entwined with leadership and HR and that there was a lack of interest in the employee resource group because of that. So no, I don't think we took it too far. I think we maybe buddied up with leadership a little too much. But I also feel like if the right people were managing the employee resource group with that relationship with leadership, that there was potential to take it where it needed to go. So there was hope. Hope that Wynn could stand strong in what they believed and hold on to the little bit of culture change they had put in motion. But it was scary. I mean, if they couldn't even hold on to the name that was so lovingly and patiently created, how could they hold on to the big stuff? A seat at the table. Here's Lindsay and Ariel struggling to put into words what happened after the move. Um, like bas- basically like what happened after you got to it was So hard. I'm going to be a little transparent. Um, so for this, you know, ERGs, it, it feels fully backed by our company. But then when you get a little too, I don't want to say liberal because liberal always gets a bad name. But I guess when you get a little bit too free and, um, they try to kind of like hand smacked a few times. Yeah. um, 
so I think once we get to that point, I think they saw that we were a little bit more of a, a not a, I don't want to say threat, because we weren't a threat, but um, they, they tried to control have, a little, yeah. go ahead. They needed to rein it in a little bit more and put more of their corporate hands into the pot a little bit. Right, and, and I think, so for our leadership coming from, and that didn't put a good taste in, I think what, Lindsay and Molly have tried to do is try to keep that grassroots community and, and theme, but we've seen a little bit more of apprehension and a little bit of continuing being part of leadership. Right. Well, so that's right. the conversation that I had with where we were in this meeting and I go, has heard me plenty of times say like, we need to keep grassroots. Like that's definitely something that even on the very first moment that I got into because Molly was here before I was, we sat down and had lunch with and that was the first, we said, hey, we understand. And I know we talked about this with the whole trying to keep when we lost that battle, but we were very <laughs> transparent on saying, hey, we get it. Like we're here with corporate and we have a bunch of different brands, but we need to make sure that we still maintain our voice and we're still dealing with that push and pull today. So Ariel's talking about, we had a few events that we didn't do anything wrong, but it was seen from corporate comms or something like that, that we didn't follow procedure, but there was no procedure in place. We don't know what we don't know. And so we were getting our hands back because we didn't follow the proper channels or whatever. And so they're trying to now with ERGs growing so much and having so many different jobs like we need to put this procedure in place and I still raised my hand and said hey like this is all well and good I want to be very clear that there is I think this different expectation of us being on the campus because we are with corporate and I need to say that out loud and I need you to recognize that but I still need you to understand that we need to feel like and maintain this safe space, right? Like there was this moment where they were trying to say, well, loop in your HR business partners with all your local events. And I said, okay, are we talking, this includes our coffee chat? Like we have to, that no, because we already know that having HR attached to anything has this stigma, right? And we need to make sure that we're keeping a safe space for our members. So we keep saying it and, and pounding head over it. So I'm hoping that, I mean, it, it seems like a little bit is getting through. Like who really knows? It's not settling right with our OG, like our, our leadership. So unfortunately, someone just after our kind of our time is limited, they might not want to be part of leadership anymore. And, and, and I haven't voiced this to Lindsay yet, but part of me feels like if more than the half of our leadership goes away, we're not going to keep that, you know, exactly what Lindsay's talking about. So if they leave, there's just going to be people that fill it in that are not aware of the grassroots that we're trying to keep. And we'll make sure. Exactly. I'm not giving up yet. I'm not leaving. Abby, our mics are coming up. What they're explaining to me is that per the win charter, their leadership term is almost up. And many members of the board are not excited about continuing. So. My fear is that if we leave, it's just going to be full control of IND and it's not going to be a true ERG. So we have two new exec sponsors. 
Molly and I met um, and we stressed same points of, hey, we understand that leadership is like turning over, but like our main mission is making sure that we are a space for women that feel comfortable. And so that is definitely going to be part of our transition plan and making sure that, you know, our exec sponsors and our new leadership, whomever they may be, understands that. We did a lot of this whole transition on and essentially like creating it from the ground up, right? And so we've gone through a year and a half and now it's like, okay, we've done and established this foundation. We need some new blood in here because we're all feeling a little burnt out. Things have been tough. Lindsay refers to herself as a broken record, which I suppose is what most activists feel like, repeating the same thing over and over again, hoping someone will hear it. But they got this ERG established and did some things that they're proud of. Here's Lindsay. Now, kind of looking back on what we were actually able to accomplish, having these great panels, like people coming to us and saying, hey, would we want to promote this? Or would we want to do a, an event like this? And we've been able to execute on all those things. So, you know, I'm super proud of what the team is being able to, to do and, and accomplish two days after we had that mandate because Women's History Month in March, right? And that was right. at the height of like all this stuff. We had a great event planned, that panel that Ariel was mentioning with um, Mo Beck and we had Cara Donahue, who was an ultra athlete, super excited. And we had to do it via webinar last minute, which I was super bummed about because just being in that room and like, feel, like that was just a different experience. But we had like, 200 plus people, I think, join in on the webinar. So that was super exciting. I think what we're able to do now too with being remote is work with all these different chapters, which has been super exciting. Um, So we've seen a lot of that, which is fun. And I'm hoping that continues. But I'm also kind of excited to let the baby fly from the nest kind of feel (laughs) and see, see what other people are able to kind of take it to the next level. Ariel focused on creating community, especially within their lonely work-from-home situation. Being part of one, I joined the culture pillar, and I felt like, especially transitioning to COVID, it was a little bit more of a challenge on how we can connect with our members, you know? So we had this bright idea. We kind of led the way for ERGs and um, started our coffee chats. 30 minutes, once a month, uh, we create this topic for our members to talk about with us, whether it be us or we um, start this breakout room session. So we used to get a lot of traction in the beginning because you can tell that our members are seeking this like community of women and talk about topics that were very relatable, uh, whether in the office or outside of the office. So that was one of our ways we capitalized on at least seeing our members one-on-one monthly and getting to hear their opinion and, and their feedback on type of topics. So for example, so one of the topics that I was really uh, passionate about is, and I still am, women traveling alone. That got to me because just recently I saw this, it's called uh, the Angry Feminist 
on Instagram or something. It was like this post. They asked women, what would you do if you had a, a day or a week without men? It was and 24 hours, I think it was. That 24 yes. hours. Yes. Yep. And this is always my topic in my argument with my boyfriend. Uh, the, the women feedback was that if 24 hours out men, they would take a walk at night, you know, um, they would, it was just a multitude yeah. of things where I'm just like, exactly. Like just simple stuff. Simple leisure yeah. stuff. And so going back to that topic, I, I, uh, for our coffee chat, I had asked women, you know, what is your experience of traveling alone? So it was really great to hear from women that I've never met just pop up on our coffee chat, like mm -hmm. never seen them before, but they were willing to be vulnerable and talk to us about their experience traveling known. And um, for the most part, um, they gave us tips on how to stay trackable. So that's how that conversation went. And being part of the culture pillar, it's kind of let us a little bit more vulnerable with our, our coffee chats, even though we're no one's sipping coffee. Like I have ADHD. I can't have caffeine. So <laughs> there's, no, there's no coffee on this side, but it was good to see women in our, our workforce just be a little bit vulnerable for 30 minutes and um, yeah. share their experience. And so those are one of our many topics that we try to put out there for everyone to gather and talk about and, and share. Karen also relocated with the company, but is no longer in a win leadership role. She's observing from the sidelines. I asked her what changes she's seen since the move. Have there been any improvement in representation of women at the leadership level? I would say yes. Paradigm for parity, that has definitely been something that's talked about a lot. And I think that the, one of the most recent statistics I, I heard was like 40% of directors are now women. Mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, you know, not half, but better than it has been. I think women have been elevated to positions where they are having more of a speaking voice. But I think that there definitely has been a little bit of a resurgence of the bro culture. Again, I think the people who had been in the company when we were addressing it, in 2017, 2018, are no longer with the company. So we kind of have this new generation of younger bro dudes who didn't get the memo yet. <laughs> that, no, you know, baby it's, bros. It's, yeah, they're like baby bros. Um, <laughs> and we think that the baby bros don't know. And, and hopefully in time, it'll be addressed again. Again, I don't think a lot of it comes from a malicious place. It just comes from a place of ignorance and Unfortunately, I think that unless people are willing to stand up and say something, it'll just be kind of a cycle that continues. All of the struggles of all of the women that I went through that period with, you know, like that 2015 through 2019, I'd say 85% of those women had left the company. And so all the remaining women had none of that experience and, and hardship and frustration. That was a, a, a loss to the cause to some degree, because what got us to where we were, people really had little to no appreciation for. That is like so sad. <laughs> it is sad. I mean, I feel, I feel like the women who are leading the organization now have really great intentions. 
I'm optimistic about what they'll be able to do with it. But I think that when you, people who start the struggle aren't there anymore, you know, a lot of that energy and passion fizzles out. I, again, I'm optimistic the women who are leading the organization now will do a little bit more recruitment and more engagement and hopefully it'll find a new voice. I warn you all the way at the beginning of this saga how change is made. With a small group of individuals which grows, takes tiny steps toward their goal and doesn't get to see the big payoff at the end. And that was the saddest part about leaving when we did is I feel like things have just gotten rolling and we weren't able to like see it through. So what did they get out of it? Here's Karen and then Linda. Personally, book club to me always holds a special place in my heart. That was just an opportunity for a bunch of people who didn't really intersect together and just maybe knew each other casually, um, really have in-depth conversations around who they were as employees, who they were as people, who they were as mothers, who they were as not moms. You know, I think it really exposed a lot of people to different viewpoints in a healthy way. And so I think I'm, I'm most proud of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their experiences in life and in their careers have been so varied that it was just a really interesting place to sit when people wanted to share. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I learned a lot about moms in the workforce through my mm-hmm. conversations, you know, and I think that made me a better person and a better manager mm-hmm. um, because I don't have children. And those were not necessarily things I thought about. And so you were able to just be exposed to somebody else's experience in a, a way where you, you could ask them questions and it felt okay. Right. Yeah. And I think also for a lot of the women were like new moms. And I think it was a really safe spot for new moms to just find camaraderie. And yeah. I think that that, you know, is something I hope the new leadership will kind of continue to foster. I mean, just from learning how to speak, and how to collaborate and make sure that everybody's opinions are valued. Just working together as a team and seeing how intrinsic value works. Mm. Um, When you find a purpose and a stronger reason why you can motivate a lot more people Mm -hmm. than just by like, oh, here's a money incentive. And that was when people put in the time, people put in the work because they actually cared about it because it actually affected them. And what did Amy learn? I know we spent so much time at the beginning, like figuring out who we were and what we wanted to do. And that was a real lesson for me because I am, I am a problem solver and I want to get shit done and I want to get done now. I don't want to spend a bunch of time thinking about how to do it, even though I want to do it right. Like I want to solve the problem immediately. And it's something I've really had to like learn how to do to like, take the time and talk to the people and bring everybody in. And part of my problem solving thing and brainstorming brain is that I'm like five steps down the road from where most people are. And then I bring them in those five steps down and it's hard for people to like engage in, in what I'm doing because they haven't been along for the entire journey. And like being a part of when really taught me how to do that. 
and it was it was a little hard to watch it be so slow but i mean it also taught me all the steps that you need to take to like get things going and that's what was really interesting about patty leaving and then moving up into the vp role i felt like i was able to really do things and it gave me like a seat at the table and then having the ear of executives was really interesting What does Donnie think they accomplished? We definitely were invited to the table more often with the president of the company. We felt like the men, they were trying to listen and they were trying to be allies. Some of them like had no idea how, but he was super on our side. He was championing us a lot. And that was important. Having one of the largest companies president back the women's group up was it was kind of impressive I guess for anybody else outside that got to hear about it kind of like how we did with Oracle and you know like we hope that those kind of things got out there I know I've gone to some of those Canberra events and young women are like how can we do this at our schools how can we do this at our jobs now And I'm like, here's my email. I can tell you how to do it, you know? Rise up. So the women of WIN are everywhere now. They're infiltrating other big corporations, becoming entrepreneurs, going to school, and they're at home spending precious time with their kids. Karen has so many years with this company. I asked her to reflect on where the women that she knows have gone and what they've done. The cohort of women at that point, the ones who were stuck in like middle management, director level, unfortunately, they didn't stay with the company. I would say the vast majority of them. But it's also been super exciting to see how far they've been able to go in their careers once they've left the company and were able to just kind of really have more of a say in what their career trajectory looked like. Totally. That's bananas to me. You know, like these are women who are in super powerful positions at a really great companies who are doing good things. Right. Where they were in a position of like groveling for every like dollar and word that they had. Yeah. And consistently being passed over for the white dude who looked like the white dude before him. Right. There were so many talented people that we worked with that left either for their own reasons, not their own reasons, And so many of them went on to just astronomical careers. And you wonder if the company held them back or if this was just a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. And I can't always reconcile it. You know, like if you think if the company had given them a different position that would have allowed that, would that have happened to them? Or did that struggle make them want to do or think about things differently, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know, but I think that the numbers in terms of the women who left, those women really kicked ass in their next positions and just far exceeded whatever limits were put on them. Right. They spread their wings. And I think that a lot of people really thought about what they wanted and like did not make concessions like they probably had earlier in their career. Linda started her own business, Good Human, currently making performance masks. 
she got help from old colleagues and mentors and was able to immediately apply what she learned in when. Finding that common goal has been a huge proponent here where like everybody that works here, either they're all from different backgrounds. Two of my sewers are from Colombia. Um, one is from Iran. The other person is from Florida who lived in like Costa Rica. So, you know, how do you find similarities and finding a way to like give them purpose too? A lot of those were pillars and uh, building blocks for me. Right. Well, I mean, I just think that that concept of like, we're all in it together and people finding what they value and what they're passionate about. It's valid in when it's why when was successful. And I think that you're right, that it's drives people in their everyday lives too. So, yeah, no. So, I mean, I'm definitely grateful that I had the opportunity to be a part of when be a part of the mentorship program, be part of the book club and working together with the diverse group of women and men, I think it's really set like the foundation for me. Yeah. I wouldn't be here without it. So the movement has moved and expanded. You can join the Women's Empowerment Network too, simply by speaking up for equity in your workplace. The tattoo is optional. I have to say, like, becoming a part of this was super life-changing. At the very beginning of this series, I said that there are things that we can learn from this story about how to make change. The first thing is that one-on-one -on -one interactions make the most impact. Karen learned how to be a better manager by hearing the experiences of new moms. Donnie mentioned those conversations that she had with the brand president and how they helped him become an ally. Here's Jen. I think it is sort of the conversion of one, right? Like trying to identify the key thought leaders in the company and spending one-on-one -on -one time with them to try to at least educate them on the data and then hope that they can change their opinion and, and lead by example. We also saw that the efforts of those working on diversity and equity issues were not only accurate, but totally achievable. Though it wasn't linear and it wasn't easy. Flexible work is one example of this. What Wen said employees needed was accurate, and now we know that it was also achievable. So we have to keep listening and keep an open mind to make change. And not be afraid to step up and out. Volunteer, practice, grow, and find your own purpose. For example, Ariel also now works on the diversity ERG, who made a huge impact supporting employees following George Floyd's murder last year. And Eric fulfilled his transitional role with WEN and is supporting the creation of a pride ERG. Amy made a complete career shift and is now a diversity and inclusion leader herself. The third and final lesson was that you may pay the price for standing up for what and who you believe in. I paid a price. But like all the people you heard from in this series, I also gained so much knowledge, friendship, experience, and the growth that comes from pain. I had a great experience at this company and obviously within Win, I had mentors and autonomy, and there was a lot of good things about the campus culture. People were nice and passionate, and it was less hierarchical than other places I've experienced. 
Just because things are mostly good for most doesn't mean that is enough. It's never enough until it's equitable and everyone is valued. I'm a firm believer that unless we're all succeeding, none of us are succeeding. Because our earth, people, it's all interconnected. It's all one thing. You screw up part of it, it shows. It's a system. And if part of the system is not working properly or being treated fairly, however we want to look at it, mm -hmm. then it is our job as part of this system, part of this biome to advocate and step up where things are not being done correctly. I've never once regretted helping someone succeed. I spoke with one of the diversity and inclusion consultants mentioned in this story. And she reminded me that impactful change takes a long time, but that it doesn't mean that it's not worth it. You have to be doing it for those who come after you. And you need to remember that you have work to do too. We have to be willing to do the labor together. Early on, pre most of this story, I pulled together a group of employees to produce some events celebrating Black History Month. That's a story of its own. But one of the women who eventually created a diversity ERG with this team was recently promoted to the VP of Inclusion and Diversity role. So one more woman in a leadership role, and a wise, humble, and collaborative leader at that. So my hope grows. Hope that she can lead the way to ensure that the stated values are the real lived experience of everyone. And I know that when, with a new name, we'll also find a new voice. Before we go, I have a couple of thank yous. First, I want to thank WEN's inclusion and diversity partners for their efforts over the past couple of years. These individuals were in brand new roles. They were figuring it out in the moment as we were. And these are really difficult jobs. As you heard, often they were and are in an adversarial position with their own ERGs, which is unfortunate because I know that their personal values were aligned with WEN's. Also, I want to thank all the women, and Eric, who were willing to drudge up some potentially frustrating experiences and share this story. And lastly, so many women dedicated their time to WINS efforts. Here are just a few. Joyce, Lisa, Brenda, Patty, Laverne, Danette, Brittany, Maddie, Margaret, Amanda, Diana, Bernard, Kelly, Andy, Karen, Jana, Nancy, Sumi, Jasmine, Allison, Robin, Carrie, MT, Christina, Carol, Lisa, Jessica, Molly, Christine, Rachel, Bridget, Amy, Donnie, Lindsay, Ariel, Sandra, Courtney. Thank you for everything you did. And I'll leave you with one more quote from our Vice President, Kamala Harris. When you want to lead, you lead. Are you still here? Are you waiting to hear if I found that anonymous writer of the Break Ceilings campaign? 
Well, no. Still, nobody's willing to give her up. If you know her, give her my phone number. <laughs>